So tonight I'll entertain any questions. Inquire within. Yes. You've talked about the Vaikuntha uh, Vasis as being uh, a little bit attracted, well, a lot attracted to the perks of Vaikuntha and the opulences of the Supreme. And you've talked about the Rajavasis, uh, the residents of that most, that dearmost domain. So what about the residents of Mathura and Dwarka? How do those, is there a balance between the two that they experience? Okay, for those who are less uh, acquainted with the uh, topics, uh, to explain the question in brief. Um, there is a realm, it's thought, and I think... Um, by most of the spiritual traditions that are theistic, spiritual traditions of the world, a realm uh, of what we might call reverential love of God. The Greeks refer to it as agape, in contrast to eros, which would be human love. And um, in our sacred texts, that's called uh, domain is broadly called Vaikuntha. Hmm? Vaikuntha, it means something like without any anxiety. Hmm? So, um, a kingdom of God, if you will. And um, so we've been talking about that uh, relative to the prayer that we just sang, which we've been going through the different verses, although we're, we're not uh, doing that tonight. Um, and in the verse, the, uh, the Muni, the Rishi who composed the, uh, the, uh, the song, the prayer, Dhammadarastakam, he, uh, he makes a petition, and um, when he, in the context of making a positive petition as to what he would like to attain, uh, his desired goal, ambition, and so forth, um, he, by way of contrast, speaks about that which he is not interested in, hmm? which arguably is what most of the theistic uh, community is interested in. So he's talking about something very peculiar, if you will, very different, um, because he's talking about ultimately a realm in where there is a transcendental eros. So um, that kind of turns the religious world on its head, if you will. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> so, in the context of speaking about that um, reverential realm, mm-hmm, um, we've discussed the fact that there are certain uh, benefits of residing there. You can imagine if you could reside in in God's country, something like that would be peaceful place, happy place, and, and full of various um, f- expressions of majesty, uh, opulence, powers, and so on and so forth, that all become um, part of the devotee's uh, experience there, the powers of the god, the happiness of the realm of Vaikuntha. Um, 
and in their meditation upon him, uh, they, they they take forms that they, they they assume forms similar to his. What you think about is what you become like, something like that. So it's a very overtly transcendental realm. When I was years ago in South India, Padmanabh Shetra in Kerala, I had the occasion to visit the Padmanabh Temple on Ekadasi. The temple is like a city, you know, a just huge, huge place with roads and whatnot, and stone compounds been there for for thousands of years. The deity of of uh, of Narayan Vishnu is like 24 feet long, lying down like this, kind of dreaming about us, something dreaming up. You know, we are like members of his dream, so to speak. It's an interesting way to. Rethink ourselves, if you will. We're part of God's dream. It doesn't make us as independent as we might feel we are in our pursuits and so forth. So, at any rate, it was a codice, which is a, it's a, it's, it's also called the, um, the day of Hari. It's the eleventh day of the waxing and the waning moon, and it's observed in different um, ways by the uh, Vaishnav. Um, lineages and so forth. So anyway, it was a big festival in the temple, and they had elephants parading, and they had a little uh, a, a um, called a Vijay Murti, a small replica of the large deity on the altar, and they would had him on a palanquin, and there were trumpet players and kettle drums, and I mean it seemed like every you know fifteen feet. He would stop, and then there would be Brahmins would come and sing prayers, and and I felt I had gone to Vaikuntha. It was a very extraordinary experience. And right outside is the busy world going on, you know, the marketplace and so on and so forth. You enter in there; it's a it's another realm, and it was very much a realm of of Aishvarya, of majesty, and you were very much awed by the whole procession and. Uh, the devotion and so on and so forth. So an overtly um, transcendental realm. Sometimes it's referred to by the, the word adhoksaja. It means like beyond the mind, beyond the senses. Now, the as I say, the, the question is about the fact that there's another realm hmm, um, of where there is more intimate love of God in ultimately where there is a transcendental eros, transcendental eroticism, if you will, which is, again, like uh, the term Plato over in his grave or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, um, uh, of course, the whole problem, what we call material existence, if you will, is a problem of self-centeredness. So it's really kind of a simple thing uh, that, uh, if you will, um, the, the secret of life uh, is uh, an open one. Um, and um, it uh, it's stated in uh, uh, common English parlance in, in a number of different uh, universal, I should say, slogans like... Um, to give is to receive. Um, what is to, to play that out? What is the meaning of that? Um, that selfishness is unbecoming. Hmm? Self-centeredness is unbecoming. We all ag- nobody disagrees with that. Hmm? Um, so, 
self-centeredness, therefore, is, is the problem, because neither of us are the center. If I or any of us were the center, then it wouldn't be a problem if everything was centered on us. But because we're not, and we live in a kind of the, the world of our mind, if you will, we have a, our senses by which we see forms, we hear sounds, we taste flavors and so forth, and impressions are relayed to the mind, which then makes a determination about those experiences. That's good, that's bad, that's hot, that's cold, that's happy, that's sad. And the problem, of course, is my senses and your senses are similar but not the same, and our minds are also similar but not the same. So your determinations about the vision of something um, may be different than mine. And so there are, you know, Trump supporters and there are Hillary Clinton supporters and they're both looking at the same world. You wouldn't know it, but uh, you'd wonder sometime what they're looking at, um, especially some of them. But at any rate, um, <laughs> uh, the, we live, as I'm saying, in like this not-so-sacred domain of our mind, of goods and sads, our happinesses and sads, goods and bads, determine our personality. Because if you like that, then you're like that. <laughs> and if you don't like that, you're not like that, and so on and so forth. Um, but this is, of course, these senses in the mind are giving us a, a very um, limited reading of, of the nature of being and so forth. I mean, we can see your reading is one thing, my reading is the opposite. Which is it? Is it hot or cold? Or is it something beyond that judgment that the mind is making hmm, relative to sensual input. Is there something beyond the, the, the problems of the, the dualities, the good, the bads, the, the Hillary's and the, and the Trump's and so forth? Is there something, you know, be, and that's what we kind of look for. And of course, it, it, it is ourself. We are something that exists beyond the, the judgments of the mind. Hmm? But we are, we are identified with the mental world, if you will, with its focus on the physical world and the objects of sight and sound and, and touch and so forth. And so we've created this world and we're centered on it and it's not comfortable entirely for us, but we want everybody else to be comfortable inside of it, which is rather un unreasonable. Um, and this is the problem with self-centeredness. So given that dynamic, uh, there's just a recipe for unrest and uh, anxiety. Hmm? And we want a, a vaikuntha, a world without anxiety. Hmm? So, simply put, we need to get out of the, out of the center. It's, it's, not about, it's not about you, something like that. Hmm? Um, it is partially about you, hmm? but you have to see yourself as part of something greater than this very small world of your of your mind, and that's what yoga, spiritual life, is about to go beyond that uh, that um, uh, uh, judgment that the, the word that the mind places on the environment. Hmm? And so, um, self-centeredness. This is a this is a problem, but it's only a problem because n neither of our minds are actually grasping the whole thing and are the center. 
just like if we're to use an example of our human body, it's made up of different parts. And in one sense, all the parts, let's say the hands, the legs, the, the lips, the teeth, the tongue, uh, are all meant for collecting, preparing, tasting, and then all of sw- that's not any good if you just taste it. You have to swallow it. Send the food to one part of the body, which is the stomach, which has a, a, an ability that no other part has, which is to take the food and transform it in such a way that the energy of the food can be distributed to all the other parts of the body. Hmm? So if at some point along the chain, the legs or the hands or the lips or the teeth or what, decide, why don't I keep it? When I, you know, why should I give it to the stomach? There's obviously um, a problem. No one becomes nourished by that. We become malnourished. So when we speak about God, we're talking. We're trying to find the center. We know we're not the center. I mean, we don't even have to be too philosophical about it. But, but unfortunately, we more we we live without thinking about it as if we are the center because we're living in the world of our mind and and again we it's a certain it constitutes a certain reading of of the world hmm? and it seems like the whole picture to us but it's not big enough even for ourselves to be comfortable or to speak of everybody else to fit inside of that but there if we can just practically come to the conclusion that that we're not the center, and we can look around a few other people and decide they're not either. They may be good, pretty good, better, but <laughs> but no one is the center. Then that doesn't mean there is no center. Hmm? Indeed, we're looking for the center. We are. If we were, uh, if there was no center, it might be reasonable to conclude that we would be content hmm, being off center. If off-centeredness was the, was the reality, then maybe we would be with what we resist, but we're resisting that, and in effect looking for uh, uh, an appropriate center where we could give ourselves, and the giving would be the receiving, and so forth. So when we speak about um, God, then we're saying that God is the, the center, and in our tradition God is depicted as the person who can reciprocate fully um, in in love which is an act of of, of giving hmm? um, so um, that said the problem for example of eroticism if you will and it is a problem on some level so let's take, for example, well, to be more direct, the sexual urge is certainly part of human uh, experience. We're all, you know, in, indebted to it for our humanness. Um, but everybody, I believe, amongst the humans agrees that this urge or tendency has to be um, harnessed to some extent. You don't just, you know, jump on somebody in the mall because you just feel like it all of a sudden. You know, it would be like, Stop that. You'll be arrested for that. So everybody's drawing the line somewhere and trying to harness that. This is also universal. In, in it, how, how low, if you want to call it that, or how, wherever you go with it, 
some everyone is drawing the line somewhere and 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 agreeing that it needs to be harnessed so so um, the reason for that is because it's part of if you will our our, our self-centeredness if it wasn't self-centered would it or anything that we do be a problem hmm? somebody asked me once because we were talking about Krishna Leela and the love of Radha and Krishna. Hmm? In private, he pulled me aside and said, Swami, I want to ask you a question. In private. He said, I want to know, is there any real sex life in the spiritual world? And I said to him, no, you don't understand. There's no real sex life in the material world. Hmm? It's all this off-center thing that doesn't quite live up to what it's made out to be. Hmm? Hmm? Um, but Krishna-centered, the problem is, is taken out, if you will, if, 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 the, because the problem of all of our interaction with one another is that, to one extent or another, it is removing out of self-centeredness, having identified with the body-mind complex, which is giving us a false reading of the, of the, of, of reality. So, um, so point being, if we can find the center, we could find everything there harmonized, hmm? pure, not a problem. Hmm? So this is what's, what's being said, if you will, among other things, in the depictions of Krishna Leela. Hmm? that take us beyond even agape, which is a negation, to some extent, of that which we are seeking in human life, hmm? but it's problematic. So the agape, or the reverential love of God, hmm? is it's a good thing, hmm? but it's not uh, capable of making good, if you will, everything about the human experience of and pursuit of love. In agape, in godly love, in love of God and awe and reverence, you can't love God like a parent, you can't love God like a buddy, you can't love God like a romantic uh, lover. Hmm? And these are very intense uh, expressions of love. Uh, really, for the most part, they're more intense than the agape, which you know you go what you do on Sunday, something like that. It's a, it's it doesn't have as strong of a pull uh, for the most part. So, to posit anyway a transcendental eroticism is a very peculiar and interesting theistic um, idea. Um, and to put it in other terms, it it speaks of a realm of love of God in intimacy rather than in awe and reverence, which, to continue along this line of reasoning, creates some distance. If I love you because you are God, it's, I'm going to like you know step back a little bit and fold my hands, and I can't get too close. If you knew I was God, I'm not. But, but if you discovered that I was, or if I discovered you were, we both kind of like, oh God, oh my God, okay. Uh, we find this in, in the Gita, in the 11th chapter, Krishna sees Arjuna as God. He sees the whole world inside of him and he says, Oh my God, 
I was like uh, treating you like a friend and intimately and referring to you and in, in in familiar ways, but but you're God, oh my God! So it creates some some distance, hmm? and so there's some theological reasoning that the center, our source, if you will, um, there's there, there should be the possibility of of a union that that is not impaired by the majesty of the Godhead. How can the finite get close to the infinite? The closer the finite comes to the infinite, the more it feels finite in the face of the infinite. Hmm? So it's a, it's a problem. The agape, or the, using the Greek term for majestic love, is, is, is in some ways, theologically, as I'm speaking about it, problematic hmm? in terms of loving in the more most complete sense of the term where the where there's no in worship there is the object of worship there's the worshiper and then there's this worship hmm? but in love that bridge if you will between the worshiper and the worship or worshiped is bridged hmm? In love, the two become, you and I become we. It becomes a unit moving in together. Hmm? It's a dynamic unit. You're not canceled out, I'm not canceled out. I take your heart for mine, you take my heart for yours. Hmm? A change of hearts. Change, but so, so it's this, this is, um, um, the idea is, is, is this possible, this kind of, the full face of love, that uh, that would afford us the kind of, kind of intimacy with our source and uh, and and in talking about it, we're kind of talking about the problems, if you will, of of reverential love hmm? that they they keep this distance between ourselves and the God. And I mean, it's a beautiful distance and and so forth, and it's uh, it's something worthy of attaining for those who so desire it. But it creates some distance. Number one and number two. Hmm? In creating that distance, it do, it doesn't allow other more intense um, expressions of of love, and it more or less tells us that they're they're problematic. Hmm? So your love for your kids, your love for your lover, your love for your friends, if you will, you're going to have to forego that hmm, for this majestic love of God, if you will. It's like supposed to be the higher, more noble, right, idea. You know, think not what you can do for your country, what you can do, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. So there's sacrificing, hmm? right? And and so, okay, you have to swallow deep and you're, you're going to go into a bigger picture of love. You know, you love your family or, 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 you're, part of the, or, or you're part of the community, you know, and the community uh, organizer, you know, uh, and uh, you know, and then you decide to become whatever, you know, a, a senator, and then a, and then the president, and uh, and so on and so forth. And you, you you're you're sacrificing. That's the idea, anyway. The, uh, the f- local concerns for the pla- for the national concerns, for the planetary concerns, for the universal concerns. So it's good. It's noble. But something is being left out of the picture hmm? that's very much part of our human experience. Hmm? 
And so the, the question, the theological question is, is there a, 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 a manifestation of the Godhead, a, 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 a possibility of a union with God where nothing is left out, where everything that we feel, so to speak, in human life has, um, has um, value and is worthy of pursuing and uh, the be- beauty, love, and all its expression and so forth, has its place and it's not problematic because it's not self-centered. So this is an interesting theological, uh, you know, questions, ideas, and this is very much the center of what our tradition um, boldly kind of asks. I've explained it in mathematical terms at other times by saying that the self-centered world that we were talking about, the small world of our mind where you think it's good, my mind thinks it's bad, your mind thinks it's happy, mine thinks it's sad, yours thinks it's hot, I think my th- mine thinks it's cold, and we're at odds with one another, each of us in our not-so-sovereign mental domains, um, to come out of that, this is the basic idea of spiritual life. While living in the world of our mind, we're on the take because we've identified with the body-mind complex and it has needs. So we're kind of exploiting the world to one extent or another. It's just an, it's an inevitable. If we're identified with something, that if we don't maintain it, it'll be a problem, then we have to get busy and and survive, right? So we struggle and invariably that we're in we're in competition with one another. We're competitors. As long as there's an, a bounty, it's okay. But it starts to get shortage, then we're gonna let somebody go over here. We're gonna eat somebody. As a, you know, one being is food for another. So it's not so beautiful when you look at the whole, you know, the picture, so to speak. Um but we are beautiful and uh, and that's not the whole picture. So it's the idea. So, but this picture, the world of the mind, where we're all on the take, we call that the realm of karma. So karma is 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 the movement that we uh, are involved in out of obligation because we've taken. Now we owe. So off to work we go. Hmm? And um, so it's obligatory work, so to speak, and. And the more we move within the karmic realm, it's like quicksand. The more you go down, hmm? the more you move, the more you go down. So you borrow money from the bank, and hey, we got the loan. You know, we just got a hundred thousand dollar loan. We're all set. You know, and, and of course the fine print says, and you owe, you know, four hundred thousand. And uh, <laughs> so it's just it's a small example, but whenever we take, then we owe. Hmm? So this is the karmic problem, right? Whether we take it in a nice way or a bad way, you still are a debtor. Hmm? Whether you're a blue-collar criminal or a white-collar criminal, indeed, the white-collar criminal can be more insidious than the blue-collar criminal uh, and take your whole you know, identity and bank account and so forth. So, good karma, bad karma, it's all a problem. Mathematically speaking, this is like being in negative numbers. So negative one, negative two, negative three, negative four, negative five. Are the karmic realm, and then there's zero. Zero here means like no debt. So zero has a positive connotation. If negative numbers mean that you're in debt, and you have to keep breaking rocks. 
so to speak, you come to zero, then you're free from that labor, you can rest, shanti, 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 there's peace, peace, peace. Hmm? Zero is a positive number in relation to negative numbers. So many, many spiritual traditions take a big sigh of relief at zero and think, I've arrived, oh, peace. No, I'm not being, I'm not hunting anymore, and therefore I'm not being hunted anymore. Hmm? So I can be peaceful. I'm not a taker. But not taking is part of loving, but love is more than not taking. So the question is, are there any positive numbers? Like, you have to understand, if you could solve all of your material problems, make them all go away, and have a kind of knowing that made you feel that there was there was nothing else that needed to be known. I know that I am. I am in such a way that I will always be, and it's without any want, without any necessity. And it, it's so the burden of necessities of material life that are just pressing us, the, the, the demands of our senses, the demands of our minds, so forth. To be relieved from that entirely. Hmm? Just imagine if you were told by the doctor, you went for a physical, the doctor said, you've got cancer, it's terminal, you're going to die in a month. Now you had to go home with the burden of dealing with this and telling your friends and so forth. And so you're trying to digest it and you've told your family and and then you get a call from the nurse and she says, oh, sorry, we had the wrong file. It wasn't you. So that you can imagine the relief. Oh, my God. Huh. Now, if you could just you know magnify that a trillion, zillion fold hmm? to be free from the whole cancerous uh, material reality of being an unbecoming taker, if you will, which is kind of what we all are, as much as, much as we are identified with something that that if we don't take from the environment for it, our, our conception of who we are, it'll be endangered. We'll be an endangered species. So we're all, again, competing with one another. It's not that pretty. It's kind of a war that's uh, it's never going to end. But, but if you, you can pull out of it, so to speak, right? Hmm? You can. This is what spiritual life's about. And you can come to zero. It's such a relief that... The idea of positive numbers is just like, what are you talking about? We just got out of the negative numbers. We're at zero now. We're like peaceful. But peace is one thing and love is another thing. Peace is inside of love, but love is not necessarily inside of peace. Love has a has a much more... Peace is like somewhere in between. We ended the war. Okay, we've got peace. We've got peace. Now we have to interact, right? In a peaceful world, we have to we have to love, we have to move. Love is a kind of movement. So from negative numbers to zero and then to positive numbers. Now what's the difference between the negative numbers and the positive numbers? Just a little symbol. Hmm? Negative, positive, but it's a huge difference. They look similar. So the point here is this, that this zero in one sense is like this, I've gotten out of the problem, I've become a mukta, I've become free, I've become attained salvation, mukti, liberation, enlightenment. I have no want, no need. Hmm? And I'm connected to my source and it's uh, um, 
uh, beautiful and and uh, no no it leaves me with no want which is which is joyful hmm? but we are talking about now something beyond that so it's like wow it's very fascinating who would think like you know you've gone so far and you, you have further idea to the positive number idea if you will mathematically so that's where then if there the point is in the in the zero hmm, there is a gain but there's also everything can't be found there in other words, everything that seems worthwhile in our human experience can't be validated in the zero kind of spiritual conception. Is there a realm where all of our loving sensibilities can be validated? In other words, is our human experience really a reflection of the spiritual experience? If so, doesn't it all have a way of playing itself out? When properly centered, the only problem, as I began, is our movements, our love is all to one extent or another self-centered. I mean, we even teach that, of course, psychologically, that you shouldn't see other people as objects. If you're really too needy, you're not in a good place to look for being in a relationship. You got to get a little hole in yourself, and and so on and so forth. And we're just taking this to another another degree. Same same principle. Hmm? So. So beyond beyond this reverential realm of God, the idea is there are these positive numbers where there's a realm of God that is not overtly transcendental, because there the infinite is in intimacy with the finite, and in order for that to take place, the infinite has to take on a finite-like appearance. So again, I said, if I knew I was next to the infinite, I'd feel very finite. I would say, oh my God. Hmm? Closer you become to the infinite, if you're finite, the more you realize what it means to be finite. Hmm? The further you are, the more you might feel bigger. <laughs> but when you're, the finite is placed next to the infinite, it really knows how small I am. Hmm? And so if you were going to have real union with the infinite, the infinite is going to have to take on a finite-like appearance in order for that intimacy to um, proceed. Hmm? This is what is meant by Krishna. So Krishna is depicted as human-like. Hmm? The infinite and human-like, uh, like a finite-like, medium-size. Not infinite, not infinitesimal, medium-size. It's a term from the Indian schools of logic um, and so forth. So... In the leelas of Krishna, the divine play, it looks like the karmic interaction, hmm? movement, but it's not movement out of necessity or obligation or or uh, a reaping of the fruits from what one has sown. That kind of movement is karmic movement. There's another kind of movement, which is movement not out of emptiness and need, but out of fullness. So you, if you're really full, how can you sit still? Mm. You have to dance mm. and celebrate. I'm full. Mm. I'm full. So this is coming from zero into the positive numbers. And we're going to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, hundred and eight. Mm. And, and, and so 
So your question is about that, hmm? for those who weren't familiar. And he's asking, because we were discussing the other night, this reverential realm and the possibilities there and so forth. And, and so um, in the realm of intimacy, if you will, hmm, then there are gradations there as well. So in the Goloka, which is a name given to describe that um, realm, it means, go means cows. Cows are, you've never seen the the, um, the uh, artistic depictions of Krishna, he's with cows and so forth. It, it, the idea behind it, in one sense, is that the cows um, are givers, they give, in comparison to what they take. If a cow eats grass, a cow gives milk. Now, if you can evaluate the value of milk, raw milk, <laughs> um, in comparison to grass, from a human perspective, it's like immense. Grass grows just everywhere, you know, even between the cracks of the of the of the, of the stone walkways and so forth. So, for a little grass, she gives the milk. So, from the human vantage point, it's not much. Practically speaking, the cow is any a, a, a creature from the animal world that is a giver when properly domesticated and taken care of by humans. The cows domesticate the humans and the humans domesticate the cows. It's a very interesting thing because from hunters and gatherers, now if you domesticate the cow, or I should say if you become domesticated by the cow, hmm, then you turn into a plowman and a planter hmm, rather than a hunter and a gatherer. Rather than killing an animal and keeping the carcass, you know, through the, for a few months you can plant and grow and store food for the whole, whole year and you can use the, the bull to till and the milk is there and so on and so forth. So agriculture is thought to be the beginning of civilized human life. Hmm? And so agriculture includes this relationship between humans and animals and certain animals are prone to that, hmm? to giving to human society in exchange for being taken care of by human society. That's abused, obviously, in the world today, but we have a beautiful ahimsa dairy here, as you may, may know. Hmm. Um, so, the idea is that the cows are givers. Hmm? So Krishna is surrounded by, by givers. His planet is called the, go, the cow planet. Hmm? And milk is, 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 is thought to issue from the cow out of affection for, you know, those who take care of her and for her calf, which she, she gives more milk than the calf, um, can drink. So, um, so sometimes, um, poetically, the realm is, 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 is compared to like, uh, a place with, uh, with oceans of, of milk. It means you have to become very affectionate to go there. Hmm? You have to, uh, uh, give up the the taking tendency. I said, not taking is part of giving, but there's more uh, part of loving. But there's more to loving than just not taking. So, um, so you, uh, bhakti is of course a path of, of 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 developing love. It's very positive and a positive solution to a problem. A best the best defense is a good offense. So if you love Krishna, for example then 
if you understand that philosophically, there are certain things that will be favorable for loving Krishna, and there will be other things that are unfavorable for loving Krishna. So one path may tell you you have to give certain things up to become spiritual. You have to let go of your attachments. That's kind of hard. But if you could become attached to something more valuable, and in the context of that, and cultivating that attachment for Krishna, for the center, then out of the culture of that love, when you find out something is not favorable for that love, then you give it up automatically. You're not giving up, you're not detaching, you're loving. You understand what I'm saying? In the context, if I love you, then I find out you don't like something, then I'm I'm not interested in that. It goes away. So the idea of that we have to let go of our attachments is it's it's very easily accomplished by becoming attached to something is worthy of being attached to. That's our center that we are kind of spiritually disconnected from, and so forth. So, so anyway, in that realm, Golok, then there are there are different um, uh, three basic centers, right? Dwaraka, the metropolitan leelas of Krishna, and Mathura, which is metropolitan for some time and then becomes a ghost town. <laughs> but uh, in 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 the uppercut leela, that's uh, they're all all the leelas are going on at the same time. So, so your question is, in the pastoral leelas of Krishna, where there's intimacy of loving Krishna in all respects, hmm, and there's no interest in the powers and what not of the reverential plane, hmm? um, then what about in Mathura? What about in Dwarka? Right? Yeah. Some of you will try to talk for everybody here, but everybody's on a different level of familiarity with the teaching. So if it goes too high for some, it's it's too low for others, so everybody has to have a little patience and a little tolerance. So so we call the the love of Krishna in in the intimate pastoral realm of leelas, rag. It's like like raga means like attachment, something you do without thinking about it because you're attached to it. So loving without uh, sacrificing because you've gone beyond self-sacrificing because you've so identified with the object of love. It's self-forgetfulness. You forget yourself. You identified with Krishna. And so his movements are are your movements, so to speak. Hmm? Um, now, when we go to Mathura and Dwarka, the leelas be- are such that the fact that Krishna is the center and the Godhead becomes more um, apparent, which creates some more distance from Krishna. Hmm? But there's a scale there. So you have... Um, Rag mixed with Vaidhi, for example. On the other end of the spectrum, in Dwarka, you have, for example, the queens. They have they have some rag, and it's mixed with Vaidhi Bhakti. Um, they don't. They're not interested in the in the perks of Vaikuntha, if that's particularly your your question. They're amazed, as Uddhava is, by the fact that they're in the in the family of. Krishna, he's he's God and he's the prince there. So it's a little bit of the you know, Vaikuntha esque side to it, 
and Krishna sometimes showing four arms, so they know that he's God hmm? more prominently than they do in Vrindavan. In Vrindavan they know. It's not that they don't know. It's just not a big deal. It's just a secondary thing. It's suppressed, that reality suppressed by their love. Like a mother may know her, her son's the president, but, you know, that's just a secondary thing. He's her, her son, first and foremost, and, and she's going to deal with him accordingly and appropriately and take care of him and think about him in, the, in that way and so forth. So, so the fact that he is God in, in Dwarka material is, is more prominent. And so it tempers how they'll inter relate with him, but um, they're not interested in, in Vaikuntha, but there's a, as much as there's, his powers are prominent, then they play a part in a love and they cause some, some distance. Does that help? Is there any, uh, there's no ideal uh, where there's like the following, uh, Raganuga following of a Rigatmaka of that realm though? You can follow the queens, for example, of Dwarka. So would be, yes, I see. You can become like the, and the Ramanuja Sampradaya does offer that window of opportunity. Hmm? That's the high end of the Ramanuja Sampradaya. So you find in some of the Alwars the love of Rukmini for Krishna manifesting in them. Okay. Hmm? So yeah. They do. Okay. Yeah. What else? What's the time? Time, time? Nice to meet you. Yes? Um, in one of Prabhupada's purports um, uh, describing when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is feeling separation from Krishna during the Ratha Yatra, um, he says that feeling separation is higher than Union. Not exactly desiring unity. Um, and so I was wondering how those two are connected but different. Because they seem like they play off each other. They do, yeah. They're like the high tide and the low tide of the ocean. Hmm. Both sides are there. But the primary purpose of the un- of the separation, love and separation, is to make the union m- more more complete. So there is a common saying in English, that separation makes the heart grow fonder. Hmm? So there's different ways to talk about it. You, you can say, for example, that in union, there's one Krishna, and in separation, there's millions of Krishnas. Because if you love someone, and you're separate from them, then everything reminds you of them. Wherever you look, oh, you hear that song, oh, we sang that together, you know, we were here, we did this, we did that. And so on. So, so there's an intensity um, to that. That sometimes um, the virtues of which are sometimes extolled in such a way as to say that, that separation is is more important than union. But separation really is 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 there for making the union more sweet. And we are interested in the union of Radha and Krishna. We're not interested in their being separated. We're always trying to bring them together. Hmm? Now. The individual devotee, as another thing, feels separation 
from Krishna. And separation will come before union, like Purvarag, we were talking about the other day, will come before the union. There's a corresponding union with each, there's, there's four basic kinds of separation. And, uh, and, and there's four different kinds of union that corresponds. It's a big, big theological subject for us. But basically, like I said, uh, there's an ocean of love of God and has a high tide and low tide. So, which one is better? Which one is worse? What, you can't, you got them both and they work, work together as a composite of the whole of the experience. Hmm? Um, and each is entirely, you know, blissful and intense. So that sometimes you'll find an emphasis on the separation, um, because the way to union is, is is through the separation, like through the dark, to use a Catholic term, dark night of the of the soul, something like that, hmm. longing, hmm? and when when one cannot bear separation from one's object of love, then the Godhead appears in one's life. Hmm. So, the virtues of the separation, it's in, 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 within the context of spiritual practice, it could be emphasized. Hmm? You understand? And then at the same time, in the context of higher spiritual practice, the, 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 internally trying to bring about the union of Radha and Krishna, then you will be emphasizing the, the union. That's a very higher understanding. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, it almost seems like the separation is more hopeless. Like feeling separation. It's more hopeless than like the desire for unity in some sense. Well, um, we don't desire separation from Krishna. We desire union for Krishna. So separation is full of longing for union. We're not longing for separation. We're longing for union. And the longing for the union is coming in the context of a sense of separation. Does that help? Yeah. Um, so, um, and of course... Longing for union with Krishna is is is, is not hopeless because it, it will be um, it'll be a it will be a hope that will be fulfilled. What's hopeless is longing for things that aren't even what they what they seem to be. That's hopeless. Material life is hopeless because we're hoping to find fulfillment in an enduring sense in relation to things that don't endure. Everything's here today and gone tomorrow. Your prince charming turned into a into a couch potato suddenly right before your eyes and so and you're married it's a problem <laughs> now what you know so uh, these this is this is a hopeless condition because we're hoping to find fulfillment in relation to things that that are only appearances of things uh, really they they're, they're here today they're gone tomorrow they change they transform and so forth so we're hoping for fulfillment in relation to our center, if you will, that is of a different nature altogether. It's not a thing. Hmm? And it's not here today and gone tomorrow. So hmm. There is something called ashabanda in bhava, in, in bhakti and ecstasy. It's called hope beyond hope. Ashabanda, 
hope beyond hope. Here's the hope, you see. The hope is not hopeless, as you put it, but it's hopeful. The hope is this. Because Krishna is the way he is, I have a hope. Hmm? Because he is the way he is, although under myself I'm hopeless. Hmm? I'm a tiny spark. I can't control my mind, my senses. I'm hopeless. Hmm? I tried mechanically. I stood on my head for a lifetime. I lived in a cave. I've <laughs> so you know, so many ways. That if if I invite Krishna into my life, but humbly, like a young girl pining for for help, hmm? child for help, then like I was a kid. My brother and I, we had this as a pond near our house, we lived in a rural area and we would go ice skating on it. So there's some other kids in the neighborhood who were a little older and they used to beat up on us. It's really kind of a tough situation because we like to go skating. Hmm? So then one day my, my father came out skating with us and we could skate around them and make faces at them and so forth. We hadn't changed our stature in any way. We were still the same, but we had, you know, we connected with our, our source, so to speak, and solved the problem. Hmm? So... This is bhakti. We have hope because Krishna, because Krishna is the way He is. Hmm? We see how He dealt with Putra, how in all these instances and stories are there and so forth. So, because Krishna is, is is like, if you want to talk about examples in the theological, religious world of God, you're, if you use a yardstick of objectivity, you're going to think well, there's nobody like it's kinder expression of God that's been talked about than Krishna. Hmm? Um, it's that's a very objective thing. It doesn't make any of them bad, the Buddha or Christ or, or whatnot. They're all different faces of God, but Krishna is like the heart of the absolute. So it's just very soft. And so we have hope because Krishna is the way He is. And the sadhu saints have told us that, and they stand as like lighthouses on the shore, telling us there's land. Hmm? You're bobbing up and down an ocean of material emotion. There's land. There's there's firm ground. It's over here. Hmm? So we have reason to be hopeful. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, when I was reading about St. Teresa of Niger, she would find great hope, and it, it would be an ease. She had great longing to, to be with her Lord. Mm -hmm. And when she would take the communion, she would have experiences sometimes mm -hmm. that Christ was actually present there in that. Mm -hmm. Host and, and her heart would be appeased, and mm -hmm. so for a devotee, can you know, we can take shelter like with prasadam or you get a remnant of something from the deity. Or, you know. Yeah, you could have the sporty. It's called sporty of Krishna. You can experience Krishna internally, hmm? and then you long to see him externally. Mm -hmm. We're coming to that section in the. In the Dhammadarastakam, we'll be explaining that when we next go there. So, okay, nice to talk with you all. Appreciate your interest and uh, patience. Shishi Goradam Adavakija, Vanchakalpatarubhyascha, Krippasandhi, Vichyatachitana, 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 V